Welcome back to the Always Love Yours podcast. I'm Jared. I'm Krista. And we're here today with Krista's interview. Oh, man. <laughs> Before we get started, a little business up top. Um, please know that you can email us at alwaysloveyourspodcast at gmail.com. Yours with a Z, and you can catch... Also, our Instagram is yes. Always Love Yours Podcast. Same spelling. Think Ex- of J. Cole song. Exactly. And, you know, we just want a little bit of feedback and communication between us and you listeners. And um, you could also rate and review us on iTunes. If you give us five stars and review us, that's how we get our podcast out there. And people could listen to us that haven't heard us before, and they can find us. And feel free to contact us through our email or through Instagram, whatever is easier for you. Uh, we have a segment called Just a Tip whenever we talk about certain topics. So we kind of want to get feedback on that and also get real-life situations. Yep. And we don't have to say your name. You could even say, I want to be anonymous, or we'll ask you if you want to be anonymous or something. But we just want more content for that segment. So feel free to contact us through those two outlets. Exactly. Now, on to <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Yes, on to your <laughs> interview. Um, and I, I just want to, you know, have everybody learn more about you and understand where you're from, where you're going, what's your plans, what you like and everything. So we're going to start off with, um, tell us about your upbringing and where you're from. So I was born in Northridge and I was actually raised in Silmar in like the suburbs of Silmar. So if you don't know where those two cities are, those are cities in the Valley, which is like 20 minutes away from LA. Basically LA. <laughs> Every time. (laughs) (laughs) And I live with my mom, my dad, and my older brother, who is older than me by about, like, four years, and my grandma. So my parents and my grandma immigrated to America from the Philippines, which makes me first-generation Filipino. I can not really speak Tagalog, which is our language, but I can understand it. When I was younger, I used to be able to speak it, but... I kind of just lost it because... Use it or lose it. Yeah, but I could totally understand it. So if anybody or my family talks to me in Tagalog, I could, like, totally understand what they're saying. And I just respond in English. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, so my mom immigrated here when she was, like, in her early 20s. And then when I was born, she brought my grandma over. And so she, my grandma, I, I mostly saw my grandma most of the time. I always call myself a grandma's girl because <laughs> my parents always, like, worked and my grandma was always there. I have, like, the fondest memories of me sitting, like, by her feet while she's, like, ironing something or doing laundry or something and I'm playing, like, Barbies or whatever. <laughs> and so, yeah, she's in the Philippines right now, so she's not with us anymore, but I do miss her a lot. And most of my childhood was spent with my grandma (laughs) and my brother, too. So I went to private school for kindergarten through eighth grade. Yeah. And, yeah, so I went to different kinds, too. I went to, like, a Baptist one. I went to a Lutheran one. And it was just different (laughs) types of Christianity. Uh, But And then in ninth grade, I went to Glendale High, which is a public school, Oh. And it is, uh, Glendale is a city that is, I don't know how many minutes away from L.A., just so people understand. Like 20 minutes still. 20, do you think? Without traffic. Yeah, true. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I went there for for high school, and that was a hard transition for me because I did not know how to dress, and I didn't know anybody. (laughs) And I was so used to, you know, uniforms uniforms (laughs) and wearing polos and stuff, but... My parents split up when I was in seventh grade, so that was kind of the reason why we had to switch from private school to public school. And I don't think that was a huge change for me education-wise. I just thought, oh, man, I'm, like, leaving all my friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. But thinking about it now, I understand now because my mom kind of was a single mom after my parents separated, and their separations was kind of messy. So... She did her best, but financially, it's so expensive to go to private school. It's it's crazy how mm-hmm. much you have to pay monthly for that. But, yeah, I have, like, one of my really close friends, my really close best friends from there, from, from middle school and stuff. And I feel like I have, like, the fondest memories mm-hmm. in middle school and stuff like that. Nice. Well, tell me, um, what do you feel like today you've taken away from 
that whole situation of either switching schools so kind of abruptly or your parents splitting? I think that it, the separation between my parents was kind of messy and it was like, well, what's going on? Because my childhood was pretty normal, but I didn't really see or understood like the gravity of my parents' marriage. And when I say gravity, I mean like I didn't understand that there was a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, when you're a kid, you're not paying attention to that. Yeah. And when they separated, I realized, wow, there was like a ton of issues. And so even though at the moment it was hard, it was a hard transition and it was challenging and kind of confusing, I feel like in the long run, it was a positive change for us. And I can't even imagine my parents together. It's weird to even think about that. Mm -hmm. And my mom was just such a strong female figure for me. And she just killed it at being a single mom. And she did her best to keep everything normal for us. And so it was impactful in the beginning when it for, when they first separated. But after that, it was it felt normal. Like the, it felt like this is my life. And I was happier, honestly, from the situation. Okay. Well, tell me about this. Um, what is one of your best childhood memories? Whoa, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think what automatically popped into my heart in my heart, my head. <laughs> is sports. Like, okay. I I used to play... I first started playing basketball when I was in third grade, and recess and everything, I was always playing basketball. And I remember being always being the only girl playing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I don't know. And then my brother was also in sports, and I would always go to his sports teams and his games. He played football, basketball, and all those things. So... I always, I was always there. (laughs) But yeah, that's basically, like, I think one of my fondest childhood memories. And also playing outside, Mm -hmm. now that I think about it. I used to play outside all the time. And and I remember whenever I would, like, fall down doing roller skating or something or got hurt, my grandma would yell at me so badly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, duh, it's going to happen. But yeah, those are my fondest memories as a... Like Would you kiddo. consider yourself when you were younger a tomboy, or were you like? Uh, yeah, I was. I was definitely a tomboy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was not even that girly, honestly. I remember my Barbies. I would take off the heads of the Barbies. <laughs> okay, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I was always playing out. Mm-hmm. I, and plus, I had an older brother, so everything my older brother did, I wanted to do. Okay. We used to watch um, WWE and like pretend we were wrestlers. Oh and wow! I would always watch my brother play. Um, video ga- uh, video games, and then he also got me into Pokemon and mm-hmm. got me watching all his shows, all Dragon Ball Z and stuff. Yeah. So I, I definitely was very influenced as a, as a young age to be a tomboy, just because mm-hmm. I wanted to be like my brother. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but he would always like make fun of me and stuff. But I still wanted to be <laughs> there and follow him around and stuff. Well, that's how his siblings are, you know? That's true. That's true. Well, tell me about life in high school. Did you enjoy high school? I, it was, eh. Like, high school was whatever for me, honestly. I had pretty great friends, and I had a very diverse group of friends, which was nice. Like, it was people from you know, cheerleading to, like, the football team to AP class. It, like, it mm-hmm. was just such a diverse mix, and I really feel like I had a good group of friends. But other than that, I wasn't really interested in academics. I kind of was just trying to figure it out. The one area that I was really confident in was basketball. Mm-hmm. So that was really the only thing I looked forward to in high school. And then I tore my ACL when I was a sophomore in high school. And I was in crutches for like six months or something. Wow. And people would always make fun of me. But I got to get out of class early so I can (laughs) transition. Um, But I tore my ACL and I never got it fixed or got surgery for it or anything just because I don't know. But after that, basketball was over and I had to like figure out what else I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. then I started getting into, like, uh, they had this thing. I forgot what it was called. Intramurals? No, no, no. It was, like, link leader or something like that, where they, you were basically a mentor for people, oh, okay. for younger freshmen that were coming into high school. So I got into that, and, 
you know, being involved. I guess that carried over to college because I was an orientation leader in college, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so stuff like that. I was in AP classes, but I wasn't really into it or anything. And honestly, I barely speak to anyone from high school. I think the only person that I really speak to is my friend Dennis and literally him only. I see, I have people from high school on Instagram and stuff, but I haven't really spoken to them in, like, ages. And I just realized next year it's going to be, like, the 10-year reunion thing. Oh, wow. And I'm like, damn, it's been 10 years since <laughs> I was in high school. We're getting old. Um, yeah. Well, then tell me about your journey from high school. You went to undergrad, um, so you went to college. Tell me about your journey from high school to college. So, from... I have a very unique story because I didn't even want to apply to college. I, during my senior year, I was had very low motivation to even go and apply. Uh, and that's because my mom was wrongfully incarcerated for six months when I was 17. And I say wrongfully incarcerated because she was basically just a bystander and got caught up in, I'm not going to disclose details, but got caught up in this quote-unquote crime and which I don't even think when I say crime it seems so like whoa like Mm -hmm. but it wasn't that that like extreme but she Mm -hmm. did get caught up in it and she was in jail for six months like I said and that kind of like just put pushed me deep into a depressive state and I was 17 so this was like in October of my senior year and so when that happened, I literally like missed school for a month. I didn't get to see my mom for a while. I had to spend a lot of holidays and my weekends visiting my mom. And I also had to like stay with my uncle and my aunt. And I was basically like living from family member to family member. And it was kind of a hard transition because it's like I didn't know if. I was going to have my mom back. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a weird reality check for me and introduced me definitely to the justice system and the court system. And I guess you could say like the fine lining of the whole situation is that I learned that you should know your rights. I learned that when a person talks to you or whatever, like know your rights because you get caught up and, you know, all these things can happen, as you can see yeah. right now <laughs> in the world today. But yeah, so I had very low motivation. I didn't want to do anything. I was going to just, I made up my mind. I said I was going to go to community college, and that's it. And then uh, my counselor was like, you should apply to colleges. Yeah. <laughs> but I had no idea. Like, my mom wasn't there. I had no idea how to apply to colleges. I had no idea to apply for financial aid. And so I was just like, I don't know how to do this. And yeah. And then my uncle and my aunt didn't have any kids who were in college yet or anything like that. So they were kind of like, I don't know what to do either. So I always want to go thank my counselor in high school because she really pushed me to apply. And she helped me with financial aid and all these things. And then so I applied to CSUN. And I think, that I don't know if that's the only school I applied to, but... That was, like, one of the only schools I applied to, and CSUN is Cal State Northridge here Mm -hmm. in the Valley as well. And so I applied to Northridge, and I got in, and then I still was like, I'm going to community college. It's fine, whatever. And then my counselor was like, no, you should go to CSUN. Yeah. Like, go to CSUN. And I think if I went to community college in the state that I was with low motivation and just, like, in this depressive state and kind of like a beginning of a traumatic type of experience for me, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't like, I would get stuck. Yeah. I would stay there for more than the two years that they say. And um, I'm glad I picked CSUN because that was a great experience for me. I had a really good college experience and I kind of was able to start a new chapter at CSUN Mm -hmm. and I got to meet like, the coolest people ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what was so great about CSUN? Like, why why did you have such a great experience? You know, everybody talks about the college experience and how fun it is and how amazing it is. What was yours like? Well, at CSUN, the college experience there is a little bit different because it is a commuter school. So oh. a lot of people from the Valley go there. And 
It kind of has a bad rep because it's like, oh, everyone gets gets in at CISA and everyone goes to CISA and whatever. And I heard that and I was like, oh. I was kind of embarrassed to tell people that I went to CISA. Mm-hmm. And then the first year was, it was okay, like my classes, but it still felt like high school because mm-hmm. I didn't really know that many people. And people, it's a commuter school, so people just go back and forth. You don't really see people staying on campus unless they live in the dorms or whatever. So... I was like, I'm going to change this. And I think I met a couple people that are in the new student orientation group at CSUN. And so I decided that, oh, I want to do this. And that was the best decision for me because I got to meet so many people. And it made me excited to be on campus. It made me excited to go to CSUN. Mm-hmm. And so I was a, those, one of those obnoxious orientation leaders that you see. Did you walk backwards and show people where to go? <laughs> hey. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> we did the tours. We did the crazy energy. I remember waking up so early in the morning, and it would be so hot during those orientation days. But it was nice to get to know a lot of the freshmen and, like, you know, being like kind of a role model and getting them excited about school, especially at CSUN because people aren't really excited sometimes uh, to go there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's changed, but when I went, that was kind of the reputation. Okay. And so after being an orientation leader, is like it was such a great experience because we had a lot of retreats, we had a lot of bonding stuff, and I got to meet my core group of friends and my core group of like close friends too. In new student orientation. Nice. And then it was cool because the next day or the next week when school actually started, because orientation was in the summer, like I saw so many people I knew. Uh I got to say hi to so many people on campus. And it was just like such a great feeling to be feeling like you're part of the community and like, you know, people now. So it felt more of a college, like a college experience. So I really liked it and it was really fun. And then... As I did it the second year when I was a junior, yeah, junior, I met a lot of people who were in the Greek system. And so I was like, ah, maybe I want to rush. And so I decided to rush a sorority. And that was a very long process. What does rushing mean? Rushing means um, it's like a process where you get to meet all the different sorority houses and stuff on campus and then you go through this process where you meet every every house and then you talk to them and you see if you are compatible with the house Mm -hmm. and it's a weekend long process and then you get a bid which means they you and them match up and they want you in their house Mm -hmm. and then you're in a sorority so, okay. yeah. So, I did that. And then I ended up getting into Delta Zeta. Woohoo! Shout out to Delta Zeta. <laughs> <laughs> and I met, like, the best people. Mm-hmm. A lot of my sorority sisters. Um, we had the f- best time. I feel like it was never a dull moment. And even mm-hmm. though they had, like, a lot of things that we had to do for the sorority and stuff, it was fun. It was a great bonding experience. And it, I always joke that it made me be social because in college I had two jobs, an internship, Oof. and I was doing 18 units, and wow. I was also in a sorority. So if I didn't wasn't in a sorority, I wouldn't be able to like be social or anything. Yeah. And one of them was a retail job, and the other one I was working on campus at the Department of Communication Disorders at CSUN, and so. And then my internship was at a child development center. And so I was doing all of that. You were busy. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because I was so busy when I graduated. I fell into like this post-grad depression, I call it, Mm -hmm. where I just felt like I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what I did for fun. Mm -hmm. I quit both of my jobs. And I think I got injured, too, during intramural sports Mm -hmm. for a sorority. So intramural is basically like each house goes against each other in sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, I played basketball and I ended up getting injured that last month. And I remember I was in so much pain. Like I could barely walk in graduation. Like I had to pick shoes specifically that wouldn't hurt me as much. Wow. (laughs) And so I just decided to quit everything. So I quit my job. I quit my, my retail job. And then I quit my student assistant job. And then I had, didn't have to do my internship anymore. So I was kind of just like, 
what now? And you graduated with a degree in? Oh, in child and adolescent development. Okay. So I did that, and then I minored in psych also, which means that I took a couple of psych classes, but only, like, some, not not that much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I graduated, and then I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. <laughs> so what? So after graduation, it's very difficult for people to find jobs in their field. It's very difficult for people to find jobs that pay what they feel like they should be paid. What was life after graduation? What did you do? That's a great question. I wanted to take a break. Mm-hmm. I was so overworked and burned out that I was like, I'm going to take this... I think I took like a month or two off. I forgot, but it was nice because I had all this these free time. The the this free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I got a root canal yesterday, and I'm still struggling. No, it's all right. We're with you. <laughs> but I took like two months, and then I. It was nice because I got to spend time with my friends, mm-hmm. and it was funny because I was like, wow. I never had time, this much time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to apply, start applying to jobs. And, you know, prior to this, like, I was working, I was working because I felt bad that my mom was doing it all by herself. I didn't want her to, you know, be the one that's responsible for, like, funding my extracurricular stuff. Mm-hmm. And also in, in college, we were evicted a couple of times because of just horrible landlords and it was just some sketchy stuff and so it it was really hard and I saw how much my mom was struggling and I was like you know I'm gonna work because I want to enjoy college and I don't want to burden my mom with all that stuff yeah so I was like after graduation I was like this is time where I'm just gonna relax (laughs) and then after two months I was like, I need to get back out there because if you're always so used to being busy and doing things when you're not, it's so uncomfortable, and you're just like, I need to be doing something productive. Yeah. So after two months, I started applying to jobs, and if you are in you know, child development or psychology, you know that the only entry-level jobs there are are behavior interventionists. Yep. Uh, literally, I think that's the only jobs out, entry-level jobs out there. Yeah, that you can actually start clinical practice and yeah. get your hands on actions because... I I don't know anything else for people with psych degrees or child and adolescent development degrees because everybody's doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's super easy to get a job doing this. And they're everywhere and they're always hiring. And I had no idea what it was. And oh, I yeah. was like, oh, kids. Okay, cool. Um, my, my degree was in child and adolescent development. And, ooh, psych. It has therapy. You do therapy in it. Yeah. Cool, I'll do it. (laughs) Little did I know what I was getting myself into. Oh, yes. Um, So I applied to two different agencies. And the first agency was, I went on so many interviews. And I remember feeling so anxious about it. And I was like, man, I just want to get something. Mm -hmm. And so I applied to two different agencies. I interviewed for one, got, got got the position. But I just had a weird vibe to it Mm -hmm. when I was at the training. And my intuition was telling me, like, this is, I don't know. There was something about the training, and I just wasn't feeling it. Mm -hmm. So I listened to my gut, and I was like, I declined the offer. And then I applied to another agency, which is the agency that I'm currently in. And I was 21 at the time. And this was August, actually. 2014, August. And so I applied, and I got it, and it felt better. Like, I felt like this is the type of training that I would like more than what I was receiving from the other agencies. Yeah. So I just picked that. And five years later, I'm still here. Nice. <laughs> so I started working at, working for this agency as a behavior interventionist for kiddos who are on the autism spectrum. And I remember when I first started out, I was so eager, and it was fun because I could be creative and I don't know, I loved going to the kiddos' homes and playing with them and it's a novel experience. Yeah. And I had to rem- I had to like learn how to play again. Yeah. I didn't I forgot how to play. We don't play <laughs> as adults. We don't. And now I if you put me a, in a room with the parent and kid, I could totally like engage and oh, yeah, initiate just jump into their world. Play. Yeah. So I, I did that and I've been doing it, like I've said, for five years now and um 
I've been, you know, it was a, it's a great experience for people who need to get experience in clinical therapy. But I'm, I got to the point, I guess, like two years ago where I was like, this isn't for me. Um, this is not my end goal. This is a great stepping stone. Mm-hmm. And it definitely helped me a lot to get into grad school and with all the letters of recommendation and stuff. And I think it helped me a lot to get into my practicum that I'm in now. And so it's such it's a great experience. And I think that I've gotten everything that I've could from it. And it's, it was time for me to move on. So I decided to apply to... Um, become a marriage and family therapist into a clinical psych program. So, so yeah. tell me about your grad school um, journey. Oh, that's a long journey. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> so you, I figure you at one point realized or recognized you wanted to go back to school or you wanted to do more or you wanted to make more money. Mm-hmm. So how did that look? So I'll start with the road to grad school. Yeah. Um, so uh, this was in 20... 20- 16, uh, in the beginning of 2016, I started taking classes for an occupational therapy graduate program. Mm. So I, I've always wanted to be a counselor or some type of counseling or therapy or something, but my mom was so adamant that they don't make that much money and I should look at something in the medical field because if you know Filipinos, (laughs) the stereotype that Filipinos always push their kids to be nurses or something in the medical field. But, you know, that's not my personality. I could barely even look at my own blood, (laughs) (laughs) let alone do stuff for (laughs) other people or patients. Mm -hmm. And so occupational therapy was introduced to me when I was working as a entry-level behavior interventionist. And I was like, presenting it to my mom, I was like, this is kind of like a compromise between you and me. This has some psych. I could still work with kids. But also, it is the medical field as well. And so she was like, yeah, do it, do it. And she was like so set on me doing it. So I was already a little bit hesitant, but I was like, you know, I guess to still do what I love. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, I wanted to make my mom proud. She worked so hard, and she raised us on her own with my grandma, and she financially put us through everything. And I just wanted to give back. Like, my ultimate goal for all of this was to give back to my mom and, like, get her a house and Mm -hmm. stuff like that because we lost our childhood home. And that was, like, my goal. Mm -hmm. And so I I always had her in the back of my mind. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to do occupational therapy. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing prerequisites, like, physiology and anatomy. And, oh, my God, I struggled (sighs) so much. I felt like I'd never studied like that before in my life. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't really getting it. I mean, if I tried and tried and tried and p- really put in the time, I was getting it, but I wasn't easily getting it at all. Like, I was just yeah. like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I think I wasn't really interested. Like, now that I look back on it, I was not really interested. Makes and sense. then in April 2016, my mom abruptly passed away. So that kind of rocked my world. Sorry and for your loss. Thank you. And so that's a whole new journey in itself. And when I lost my mom, it was kind of like the end of the world for me. It felt like that. And I had a huge moment of like, I need to do something that is adding value and joy to my life. I need to do something where I feel like I'm fulfilled and I'm following something that I love. Because why would you want to live a life that you're doing something you're not loving. Mm-hmm. Like, I refuse. <laughs> Same. And so when my mom passed away, I kind of had, like, a shift in perspective. And I was like, I life's too short. I'm going to do something that I actually love and something that I feel fulfilled in. And so I decided to just go through what I innately wanted to do, which was therapy or counseling. And so I found a program that was in the evening that I could take classes at night and also still work full time. Because mm-hmm. at this point, I had to move out on my own with my brother, find us a new place to live because we were living with my mom at the time she passed away. And then, you know, figure out the whole funeral thing. And we had no money for that. And that was stressful in itself. Sounds and tough. Yeah, it was really tough. And sometimes I look back, I'm like, how did I get, get through that? Because I was only 23 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had to, like, 
not replace my mom, but kind of be like the the mother figure because it was really hard on my brother because my brother and my mom were really close and more close than me and my mom, actually. And so I kind of took that role unconsciously. (laughs) Um, And so when I did that, I was like, oh, I need to still work. I can't not work. Like, I need to work and support myself now. Like, yeah. this is a time where I have to be an adult and be responsible. So after we moved, I was like, okay, cool. I could do this. I found an apartment. I was able to get – we were able to get everything settled in and everything. And then I was, like, looking into programs, and I found a program, and it still let me work full time. And so I did that, and – it was such a great experience, and prior to starting grad school, I started therapy, and that helped me so much with where I was at. I was so excited I got into grad school, and I felt like this is where I was supposed to be. It's weird to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I get makes it. Sense. And so I had a really hard time after my mom passed away, especially the year after, and I was just, like, struggling because grief doesn't have a handbook. And it's such a stigmatized concept, I think, or stigmatized idea about grief that people don't talk about at all. So I was so lost. Like, I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. Like, um, Uh what do I do? So I started to reach out to different nonprofits. I actually do now a annual 5K in honor of my mom that is held by our grief center, our house grief center at um, in L.A., And so that was one of the resources that I used. And then I was like, I need something more. Mm -hmm. But at the time, the year following my mom passing away, I was like, I'm not ready for my own personal therapy. It was just too much at the time. Yeah. Because it was a huge transition and adjustment. Mm -hmm. So it took me like a year before I actually went in for my own personal therapy. Okay. So how was that? Like, I feel like people talk about therapy sometimes and it's, Great that now it's not as stigmatized as, oh, you will go to therapy because you're crazy. It's like, no, you work on your body and you may see, you may like figure out ways to work better on your body. You have teachers to help you with your mind. Mm-hmm. You should have somebody to help you with your emotions. Yeah. It just makes sense, you know? Yeah, like you go to a doctor to get a medical check. Exactly. And you should be seeing, not should be, but I mean, if you. If you believe in it, which I think that a lot of people should, mm-hmm. then it's a good checkup once in a while. And just because you're going to therapy doesn't mean you're broken, doesn't mean no. that you have something wrong with you. People go to therapy for really basic things yeah, that they can't, you know, people go to therapy for a safe space. Yeah. And that's where I was looking for uh, because I feel like I took on a lot of the responsibilities of, you know, f- arranging everything for the funeral and deciding what to do with my mom's body and all the medical stuff and finding a new place to live that I pushed my grief aside. And mm-hmm. so it took me a year to finally realize, like, I need help. Mm-hmm. I need a safe space. And I kind of became that person that always, quote unquote, had it together, or at least it looked like it. And it was hard because it was draining and I needed just a place to vent and Mm -hmm. I needed a place, a safe space, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I went to therapy, I initially didn't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. It's so hard. You have to like do all these things just before you even like get a therapist. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going through insurance, you have to call your insurance or you have to see what in-network therapists there is that are available and stuff. And even with insurance, a lot of their focus is, like, solution-focused. So it's not really, like, what I've been through is a lot of trauma-related stuff. So, you know, next time for me, when I if I decide to go back to therapy, which I probably will, is I'm going to look for someone that's not really insurance-based because I didn't feel like I got to process a lot of the traumatic stuff and all that stuff. It was more, like, solution-focused on based on the current problem that I was having. So when I went... I had a current living situation where basically boundaries were not being met. um, And it Mm -hmm. was very, there weren't none. Mm -hmm. And I was drained. I was so tired. I was in the helping field doing my job and then about to start grad school. And I didn't want to go into grad school feeling the way that I did. So I, I sought help and therapy helped me realize that I didn't have those boundaries with certain people and 
you know, my brother was cur- was going through something and is still going through something, and I took it on as a burden. And mm-hmm. I realized that it was not a benefit for me or him. And so I was able to, to keep that, that boundary. And I essentially was able to move out on my own with mm-hmm. a roommate. And literally, like, I was 10 times happier. Mm-hmm. And I finally felt like, this is me. Like, this is who I want to be. And mm-hmm. this is my life. I finally felt like I had ownership over my life. And we went through a lot of like some of the grief stuff, but I, we weren't able in therapy to go deeply into the grief stuff, which I wish I did, mm-hmm. but she was able to help me to realize a lot about my own anxiety and about how I work and how sometimes I'm always in survival mode. And so that prevents me from, living in the moment and enjoying the moment. And this past how many years I've been trying to do that because that steals your joy when you're yeah. always anxious, when you're always living in the past or living in the future, it's, it's more beneficial if you like live in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I learned more about like self care and I really did like a 180 and on my lifestyle and I started eating more healthier. I started working out more and it made a huge difference. Yeah. And then I was ready for grad school. And then I started grad school and it was everything I wanted <laughs> it and more. And I remember at the first class, the first class I ever took was a interpersonal group therapy class. And basically what it is is like the first part is lecture about group therapy. And then the second part is you actually have group therapy. Oh, wow. And so when I was in that class, I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. Like, this is, like, amazing stuff. Like, this is so interesting to me. It's something that I'm passionate about. And Mm -hmm. I came into the program, you know, with the idea that I wanted to specialize in grief, trauma, and loss, and stuff like that. And that's still the case. And I was able to really process more in grad school because a lot of our assignments and everything that we do in grad school – you really have to look inward and really, like, disclose sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to, but when other people disclose, you feel like you should disclose, too, yeah. and say stuff about your own life. And, yeah, and we don't have a cohort, but there's people that I started with that I always try to take classes with, and mm-hmm. I feel like I've gone close to. And I also met my roommate there. Nice. It seems like um, going to this grad school and having these classes was almost therapeutic for you. Oh, yeah, 100%. It, it was like therapy on therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> and um, perhaps down the line we'll have a podcast about mental health. I think that that would be a really interesting one to tackle and just oh, talk yeah, about 100%. and explore. Mm-hmm. Um, but so now you're still currently in grad school? Yeah, I have a year left. I've, I'll be done in May. May of? 2020. Awesome. And I only have, like, three academic classes left, which is go. so exciting because I'm tired nice. of being in school. <laughs> I get it. I get it. It gets exhausting. Yeah. And I'm getting to the point where I'm getting everything I feel like out of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready to start that path of actually becoming a licensed therapist. And it's it's exciting. Like, it, I still work at my job right now. And I still, it's funny because sometimes I'm really burned out at my job because it's a lot of work. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. it's, it takes a toll on like all aspects of your life and you have to kind of learn how to balance everything and mm-hmm. remember self-care and remember to take care of yourself because my uh, my supervisor at work always says, you can't fill a, a bucket if you have like an empty cup or you can't fill someone, someone else's, else's cup yeah. if your cup is empty. Exactly. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. You can't be 100% there for someone if you're not there for yourself. And our job is very much so to be there for, yeah. to, for somebody. And you're, the healthy field is like that. It's like you have to keep yourself in check and mm-hmm. really understand who you are. And that's why a lot of therapists go to their own therapy because you have to really be able to process all that and understand like you, your, yourself mm-hmm. so that you could give more to other people. What I tell one of my clients um, is that every day, Every new day is like an Etch-A-Sketch. You know, you draw on it, and it's, you know, builds up, builds up. But it's a new day. You shake that Etch-A-Sketch up, and it's all clean slate. Mm -hmm. You try again. And it's hard to not bring in yesterday's events and yesterday's difficulties into today. 
and it's and hard. Can't. It's hard not to bring your own personal problems into the workplace exactly. or anywhere because you're human. But mm-hmm. also, it you have to like, like remind yourself that you're getting paid to do a service for a child or for a person, and so you have to be very present and be there for your client. Yeah. It does, it's nothing to do about you. What you bring is that charisma, that energy, that support. It, not, it doesn't matter what your crap is. It doesn't matter what your baggage is. Um, sometimes when it does get overwhelming, you do have to take a step back for yourself. And I think that's very healthy if you take a day or two or even like a little vacation here and there just to, you know, rejuvenate and, you know, decompress and stuff. Yeah. But it... This job has really definitely taught me how to balance everything and really to look out for myself, too, and put myself first. But also, I try to, even though I'm burned out on my job right now, I try to bring in a lot of the things that I'm learning in school into this field because it's, it's different, but also it has been so helpful. And it makes jo- my job so much like interesting and yeah. so much more interesting. And just I look forward to it whenever I'm able to do that. Well, I think that brings us to a perfect point where I feel like we've caught up to your life story to where you are now. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you some questions. Okay. Um, so what do you wish you had known when you first started out? First started out where? Either in job or at your school or, you know, just first started out in your um, life living on your own. Um, wow, that's a huge question. I'll, I'll try to go through, like, the whole lifespan, I mm-hmm. guess, in my, of my life. So... For high school, I wish that I took more advantage of the opportunities. I wish that I was a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. I also wish that when the thing ha- when my mom was wrongfully incarcerated, that I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been, or some type of counseling, I think that would have been helpful instead of me just not talking about it at all. Yeah. I think that kind of built up a lot uh, following that incident. For college... Same thing. I wish I took more opportunities to get to know the professors. Mm-hmm. I wish I got to know more about the profession. I didn't really, wasn't really active in that. I kind of was into my own stuff and being involved in stuff, but I wish I was more engaged in my department because mm-hmm. after I graduated, I had no idea what I could do with my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I was really interested in it. And so if I could tell my college self, I would tell myself, you know, do something do something more in your department and then for entry level I and when I got my entry level job I think I would have told myself to apply to more places Mm -hmm. I think I just settled for the two options that I mentioned before Mm -hmm. I wish I kind of like shopped around but honestly when you're graduated from from college you're kind of just like give me anything yeah Give me anything Mm -hmm. and I'll do it. But yeah, so for that and then for living on my own, I think I honestly, I think I did the best I could. Yeah. And maybe reaching out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think with what I had, I I did the best that I could. Okay. So tell me some common myths about therapy. Oh, common myths that you have to be broken to go. That you don't need it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That you have to have a really serious mental health problem to go. I think that that's not true at all. And sometimes, like I said, people just need a safe space to vent. And that therapists will give you advice. Therapists are not going to give you advice. Therapists Mm -hmm. are going to... That's kind of unethical. And also, like, the therapist is not going to know what you want in a sense of who you are and like your values but a therapist can help you guide you through your values and what you want and it's not really in their place to tell you what to do or to tell you advice straight up because who are you to tell someone do this Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) well then on that road uh segue (laughs) give me some dating advice or dating advice to your younger self even Dating advice. We touched upon this in the relationship podcast, mm-hmm. but I think the most important is to be able to be more aware of your who you are, your past, your current struggles, your current circumstances, understanding and turning inward and understanding your own fears and what you really want in a relationship and why you want a relationship. 
Mm-hmm. Because if you're going into a relationship because you feel like you have to be in a relationship, uh, there's a good probability it's not going to turn out in your favor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last one I would say is, not the last one, that's not going to be the last one, but <laughs> the next one I'm going to say is to be authentic and don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because if you really want to be with that person and that person really wants to be with you, they'll take you as you are. Another one would be keep trying. Mm -hmm. Don't get so jaded. And I think once you reach that type of confidence in yourself, you won't you won't get as jaded because that's what dating is supposed to be. You're not supposed to only always find the the one or the right one the first time. Yeah, I mean some people do. (laughs) True, but that that sometimes more than likely won't happen. Yeah. And you're learning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what do you value in a relationship? Um, I think I value humor for sure. (laughs) Uh, communication with understanding, uh, active listening. (laughs) (laughs) When I say active listening, I mean like really listening, not something where you're like, okay, I'm listening, but not really listening. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) <laughs> you know. Yeah, I want to do a podcast about active listening and just, you know, talking about... Oh, yeah, I would love to do an, a podcast on all of that, too. Um, what else? Um, what mistake do you regret the most, and what accomplishment are you most proud of? What accomplishment that I'm most proud of? And what was the other one? Mistake you might regret. I think the only thing that I really regret is having a better relationship with my mom. I think that I was a horrible teenager. (laughs) I was like the worst. (laughs) My mom always joked that I had like anger management problems. I don't see that in you at all now. Yeah, it's funny because I chilled out (laughs) because I think I had like a wake up call. Like you can't always be that angry. But I think that that anger was really just masking the depression that I was feeling. Hmm. There was a lot of resentment towards my mom when she was incarcerated. And I just felt, I lashed out, but it was because I was really sad. Mm Because, you know, they say anger is a protective emotion. So anger isn't really the first emotion you're really feeling. It's something, there's something underlying it. And so a lot of kids actually display their depression through anger. So when you see a Mm -hmm. lot of kids, that might be a signal that they're depressed or they're feeling some type of way. And so I was just horrible to my mom. <laughs> uh, but I think developmentally and just, like, where I was, like, that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. But I do wish that I spent more time with her. I wish that I got to know her more. I wish I asked her question because my mom was a very, a very strong woman, and she was, like, a role model to me. But she never, ever let you see her weaknesses. She never really talked about stuff like that. But if... I was able to ask her so many questions, I would. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I should have gotten to know her more. And, you know, that's part of my grief is I feel guilty that I wasn't able to have that type of relationship with her. And I kind of was so focused on, like, me and trying to succeed and stuff. But like I said, at the time, I was only, like, early 20s. And that's what we're all Mm -hmm. (laughs) focused on. And... I think that's the only thing, really, to be honest. Okay, well, then tell me one of your accomplishments that you're most proud of. Most accomplishments that I'm most proud of is that I think where I'm at in my life right now, where I'm able to work full-time and support myself financially, I'm able to go to school full-time and still earn my master's, and it's all coming together, and I'm able to balance it out, and sometimes it does get overwhelming, but... I think I'm really proud of myself for that. No, I'm not going to say I think. I am proud of myself. I'm proud of you too. For that, because I never thought that I could accomplish the things that I did after my mom passed away. It was kind of like, she was like everything to me. And I wasn't an adult when she passed away Mm -hmm. (laughs) at all. I wish I was. I wish I took more responsibility (laughs) prior, because it would have prepared me for when she did pass away and I could you know, figure everything out. But I think right now where I'm at, I'm actually really proud of myself and how I'm balancing everything. Okay, great. Um, Let me know what's on your bucket list. Bucket list. Hmm. I do, as cliche as it is, I do want to travel. I want to do... 
Traveling is dope. Yeah, I I feel like I'm so focused on work and stuff. I haven't really had the chance or the funds mm-hmm. to travel as much as I can. And I'm kind of in like hustling and grind mode where I'm trying to just survive. <laughs> and mm-hmm. hopefully I get to the point where I can travel. Uh, but to, just to see other people's perspectives and see what's out there. Uh, another one is actually I want to do a TED Talk. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds so funny. That'd be and dope. I want to do one too. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I, I really want to, with what I'm gonna experience in the future as a licensed therapist, and I'm eager to see what I actually end up specializing in. But I do want to ultimately do with something like a TED Talk, where I could, you know, do some research and you know present it at a conference or something, mm-hmm. and just share my own story and be there for people, you know, mm-hmm. who are. Been in similar circumstances. And what else? I do want to skydive. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you at the bottom. <laughs> Skydiving seems like a good thing to be on your bucket list. <laughs> and I, I should probably learn how to swim. <laughs> I got you on that. I don't know how to swim. Let's go swimming. Um, and Oh, and see like the seven wonders of the world. Oh, yeah. That would be, that Let's would go be up to dope. Canada real quick and we can go see one of them at least. <laughs> Yeah, and my coworker has seen most of the um, Seven Wonders of the World, and she travels a lot. And I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. Must too. be nice. <laughs> I know, right? Um, well, so then yeah. Tell me about an ideal vacation or date. I, wow, ideal vacation would be nature, va- nature wise. So. Okay. Uh, the one one that popped into my head was Banff National Park in Canada. Oh, okay. it looks like a screensaver. Like it's <laughs> this like a national park that is in Canada, and it's just beautiful. Let go. And it's funny because like people will say like tropical or whatever, but I like cold weather, so oh, okay. I would rather do that. And just like anything that's like has great views, I'm mm-hmm. down for. Uh, date? What was the second one? Yeah, date. Oh. Um, I think anywhere that's different. Different? Okay, I'm writing <laughs> these down. <laughs> um, something that you don't usually do. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I feel like anything that's different and exciting and fun, but the per- it, it doesn't even matter where we go. I think the, the real thing that is should be important is the person you're with. So True. I don't think there's a specific place for me to go for a date or whatever, but... As long as a person is enjoyable and funny and we can have fun wherever. Mm-hmm. Okay, a little speed round real quick. Okay. Favorite movie? Oh. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to be speed round. Any rom-com. Any <laughs> I don't rom-com. have a favorite What's your favorite, the one that you can come, that comes into your head right now? A good rom-com. Uh, good rom-com, man. We really love. Two Weeks Notice. Oh, Two Weeks Notice. With Sandra notice. Bullock. That's a great one. I don't know if I've seen that one. Thanks <laughs> for watching it. It's on uh, Netflix. Okay. No, Love and Basketball. <laughs> Love and Basketball. That's a great there one. There you go. Always Be My Maybe was good. We watched that. That was a good one. Yeah. 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 Um, favorite TV series? Friends. Ooh, of course it is. Food? <laughs> oh, tacos. <laughs> it used to be sushi, but I haven't really been having it too much. I've been really into tacos lately, so tacos. Music? Hip-hop. Mostly R&B, though. Um... Um, activities and hobbies? Kickboxing, cycling. I like to do lifting and basketball. Uh, I like to do arts and crafts. I like to be creative and to create as well. So I do a lot of do-it-yourself projects and stuff. So, yeah. What about um, what are the things that... Hold on, let me see. I have it right here. Uh, If I had more time, I would... If I had more time, I would work out because I've been slacking <laughs> and cook. I haven't really like I I didn't realize how much I like cooking until like just recently, and I'm like I should do it more. Okay, um, what would you want to cook? Um, anything, anything. I think for because you're a vegetarian and because I'm like part time vegetarian. <laughs> I don't think I even said I am on my. <laughs> oh really? <Yeah. laughs> Awkward. <laughs> well, Jared's a ve- vegetarian. I just don't talk about it that much. I feel like everybody's like, oh, vegetarians always say that they are. <laughs> like, I just never even who cares. Well, Jared's a vegetarian, like I said, and I'm kind of a part time vegetarian too. So I would love to like 
find tasty vegetarian recipes to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, if you, a perfect job for you is? Anything with helping people. Um, talking to people, getting people's, what I would actually really love to do is like go around the world and just talk to people and like listen to their stories. Oh, wow. Like get their perspective and maybe like accumulate data and like. I'd watch that show. <laughs> a show or like YouTube a. YouTube series or something. Yeah. Or a book or something. There you go. Um. If you win $5 million tomorrow, if you won $5 million tomorrow, how would you spend the rest of your life? I would uh, get myself a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would try to take care of my friends and family, however they need it. And then I would create like a nonprofit organization as like a resource for whether it's therapy or a specific organization for like grief and loss or something. Um, I would do that, and I would travel as much as I can, too, and just do what I love. Okay, that sounds good. Um, if you could choose a superpower, what would it be? <sighs> Teleport. Teleport. Yeah, because I'm not patient when it ju- comes to driving. <laughs> Especially in L.A. You yeah, need that I just don't need to get there. I'm so impatient when I drive. Like, Same. I just need to get there. For me, when I drive, it's like... By the time I get in the car, I want to already be where I'm supposed to yes, be. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't, I hate, sometimes that's why I'm like, I don't want to go out because, mm-hmm. like, just thinking about that drive Getting and, like, back. the traffic, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh. Yes. Um, what would you like to be remembered for when you die? Well, that's heavy. Oh, I asked you this one when yeah. <laughs> we did your interview. I want to be known to be someone who's always up for helping people. I want to be known as someone who's empathetic and compassionate and who always tries to understand where people are coming from. I want to be known to just be a person who is always trying to get the most out of life, who's always doing things that are true to herself and her values. I don't know why I'm talking third person now, (laughs) but... (laughs) Yeah, that's basically it. Um, How about, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for a lot of things. I'm grateful for a job that lets me be flexible with my schedule. I'm grateful to be in a uh, program that lets me be in the program (laughs) and work at the same time. I'm grateful for my family who's been like my rock, but also my family, my friends who have become family I have a really core support system, and even though I don't see them as much, I feel like whenever I need something or whenever I need help or anything, they're always there to listen to me. And I'm so grateful to have my roommate, Amanda, and you to be there when I really do need help or when I just need like a space, a safe space to vent. And I'm just grateful that I get to live the life that I'm living right now because my life could have totally turned a different way after mm-hmm. my mom passed away, but through the help of a lot of people and my faith in myself and everything, I was able to live a life that I'm really proud of right now. Okay, great. Um, tell me, what um, what are some strengths that you're really uh, proud of in yourself? And then what are some things that you're working on? I think that I am a good listener. I very much so. think that I can be very empathetic and understand where people are coming from. I Most of the time, I'm not judgmental. I try not to be. And especially when I listen to people because, you know, everybody comes from different places in life and who is to say you're right or wrong I think that I'm patient and I can I can be very level-headed and I'm very aware of who I am and (laughs) how I act and I could do better (laughs) I could definitely do better in certain things but yeah those are my strengths okay what is something that I didn't ask you that you think or wish I had asked? Um, I think you asked a lot of the <laughs> stuff that... <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. 
Well, I mean, like, what do you think that people should know about Krista? What's something that you want to put out into the world? Something that you feel like, hey, this is me, and this is how I want to be seen or known as? I think it's not, it's less about who I am, but I think that if I could say anything to people, it's more of like a word of encouragement to remind people that everyone goes through everything, everyone goes through stuff and your circumstances don't define who you are. Your circumstances, you have no control over. Mm-hmm. And sometimes really bad things happen and sometimes really good things happen. But when the bad things happen, just know that that's not who you are, that it doesn't limit you, that doesn't define what you're capable of, and you have the power to change if you want to change. Mm-hmm. You have the power to live, quote, unquote, your best life. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, do things that you're passionate about. Do things that you're afraid to do because of all the risks, because at the end of the day, like, that's your life, and mm-hmm. you could die any moment. Mm-hmm. And I really encourage people to really live their life like you're going to die any mm-hmm. moment. Live a life that you're proud of in terms of what you think that you should live your life. And, yeah, keep oh, pushing. Inspiring. Keep moving forward. <laughs> you, you just inspired me to do more, and I'm like also like, oh, I should also really work on my homework <laughs> and my assignments <laughs> and my school stuff, get all my stuff. I have a question for you. Yes. You have some tattoos. Oh, I do. <laughs> What's um, can you pick one or say something about a few that uh, are meaningful to you that you? Um, I have. How many do I have? I have like f- one, two, three, four, five. I have like five. Um, three of the five <laughs> are for my mom, actually. Mm-hmm. One of them is a little flower on my forearm, and it says "I am because you were," and then. I got that, I think, the second anniversary of her passing. And then the other one is a key with the word mom, like, in it. Like, it's a key, but mom's, like, engraved in it. Yeah. And her birthday. And I got that, actually, right after she passed away as a way to, like, honor her. And the reason why I put a key is because when I look listen back to all my <laughs> voicemails of her, it was always her saying, Krista, open the door. I, I forgot my key. <laughs> Or, <laughs> I don't have my key. Are you home yet? <laughs> That's cute. Stuff like that. And I remember when I was younger, that was the one thing she always forgot was her key. That's like and my dad. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think everyone has this problem, but I could always remember her for that. And so, I got that. And then, I have a, I guess, a quarter sleeve. And it's a wave with my favorite flower, which is uh, peonies. And it's also my mom's favorite flower. And I got... My grandma's uh, flower that reminds me of my grandma, which is like an orchid. Mm-hmm. And then I got the Filipino flower, which my brother picked out because I asked him, like, hey, what flower do you want? So I mm-hmm. guess in a way, it, it signif- each flower signifies my family members. Mm-hmm. And then the wave just shows that life is like waves. It, it, sometimes it's crashing down on you and sometimes it's mellow and sometimes it's beautiful and sometimes it's scary. Oh, wow. Sometimes it's challenging, but at the end of the day, like, that's the way that life is. And, yeah. So that's, like, my favorite piece, I think. I like it. I'm looking at it right now. It's (laughs) really pretty. Yeah. And I still have to add more, but I think that's, like, the most meaningful because it has me and, like, my whole family incorporated in it. So if you were to get another tattoo, what would it be? I think I would just add on to this. Okay. That I have, the quarter sleeve that I have, Mm -hmm. and just more of, like, a... I love floral stuff because Mm my mom used to be like a low-key florist like she used to make flower arrangements for people and events and stuff and people were always like so like in awe of what she did because she was really good at it and so it she flowers just remind me of her that's Mm -hmm. why i cherish them a lot especially when you get me flowers i'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) but yeah okay great well, I mean, I feel like we've touched on a lot of things about you, Krista, and I'm sure as we go along in these podcasts, we'll talk about more. But I wanted to really make sure we dove in deep into who you are, where you've come from, your journey, and how you got to where you are today. And can you tell me a little bit about where you want to go? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? Um, like I've said, I think all my life experiences have led me up to this point and will continue to carry me to my ultimate goal. I think my ultimate goal is to teach. Okay. So I what, uh, be- what kind of level? Um, 
depending on like if I get my master's or my doctorate. I mean, depending if I want to pursue my doctorate, it will depend on the grade level. Essentially, mm-hmm. I do want to teach grad students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if not, undergrad's fine too. Mm-hmm. But anything in this field would be great. Um, that's like the ultimate goal. But before that, I do want to become a licensed therapist and I do want to have my own private practice. I think there hasn't been a real focus or there's not that many research in, not research, but well, actually, yeah, there's not that many research or resources for people who are going through grief, loss, and stuff related to that. And so I kind of want to dive more into that area. I mean, it might change as I, you know, become older, but so far that's definitely a need. And Mm -hmm. I, even though like technically a lot of therapists don't deal with it because it's not, they call it, you don't pathologize grief. Like it's not like a disorder or anything, but I do think that people do really need that support, especially if it's a traumatic loss and Mm -hmm. so I kind of want to be do something or create a private practice specifically specializing in that and also related trauma and stuff like that but yeah that's my ultimate goal awesome well it's been great getting to know you Kristen for them I already know you (laughs) (laughs) um it was fun it was definitely (laughs) anxiety provoking because I'm like um because it's hard to disclose a lot of things about your life it is but it's it's I think I was so nervous before. Now that we're going through it, it's nice because, like, I get to reflect on everything. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really important if you reflect about your own story and, like, where you are at right now. And, yeah, it was really fun. Thank you. I agree. And I really appreciate you opening up and sharing your life with us. I mean, we want to have other people on here and interview other people. Ordinary people, too. And talk about your lives, the highs, the lows, and everything in between and how you got to where you are. And just open up this conversation of what life really looks like mm-hmm. as opposed to what is seen on, like, social media yeah. or on the TV. And, and also what life looks at looks like for so many different people. Exactly. Like, it's so interesting to me to know that there's so many different personalities out there, so many different stories out there. Like, I need to know these stories. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm so curious. Yeah, and life is so dynamic, and it's so malleable, and it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to figure out other people's perspectives or their ideas or why they became the way that they are. And why they think the way that they are and, you know, how their experience came to be and what they have learned from their experience. And exactly, and we really appreciate you coming on this journey with us. Not only you, Krista, but you (laughs) listeners, uh, because it's really interesting to us and we want to explore that more. Yeah, exactly. So just a reminder, always love yours. Always love yours. And we will see you in the next episode. We will. I've been Jared. I'm Krista. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.